On 89.9 The Light, you're in conversation with Clayton and via the wonders of Zoom, it's great to have a chat to Jane Godwin, who is a fantastic author of kids' books and indeed has inspired so many around our country. Jane, thanks so much. Thanks, Clayton. Lovely to be here. It's so good to have a chat to you. How long have you actually been writing books generally and I suppose specifically for kids? Um, I've been writing books for nearly 30 years, so... Um, quite a long time and only for kids. I've never written a book for adults and um, I don't think I ever will. I'm really, my my passion is books for young people. I've written up to about the age of sort of young teenagers, um, but I don't think I'll go beyond that. Yeah, but nearly 30 years and I've written about 30 books. So I've got to do one a year to keep up my my grade point average. I like that. That's really, really good. And I mean, you, you put out just a couple in the last few months as well, the most recent being Little One, which we might hear about in a couple of moments time. Tell us, where did the um, the love of writing and specifically for kids come from? Where did that sort of start where you went, right, this is what I'm going to do? Well, I think I was always, I I often say to kids, Clayton, I wasn't the best writer in the class or anything like that when I was a kid, but I always loved reading and I always loved stories. And I think I was quite a creative child. I, you know, I loved drawing and making things and I had a sort of an active imaginary life, I suppose. And, um, but I didn't, actually what I wanted to to do when I was, um, you know, in secondary schools, I wanted to be a child psychologist. So I was always interested in the world of the child and um, I was always interested in children even when I was a child myself you know when I was you know 12 I would love babysitting my my younger cousins and things I just found young people very interesting so yeah I wanted to be a child psychologist and then I don't know I sort of that didn't really end up happening and then I did an arts degree at university and then I actually got a job in a publishing company at Penguin Books as an editor so my my sort of entree into being a writer was through working in publishing and being an editor um, and then it sort of I was in the world of publishing and writing and 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 I started from there so looking back I now am so thrilled I'm a writer and I feel like it it um it it suits me very well because there are some similarities between being a child psychologist and being a writer, I think, a writer for children. So, um, yeah, so I sort of, um, I, I became a writer eventually and I'm really glad I did, but it wasn't like it was always what I wanted to do. But I think I always did want to do something creative and something that involved the world of the child. Yeah, I, I love that. Do you feel, a re, um, I suppose, a responsibility? I've, I've never quite thought of it like this until you were mentioning it just there of the fact that, you know, we know that books have a profound impact on kids. We know that, you know, we, we're reading it to them as they're going to bed. We're, they take so much out of it. And, you know, we, we're hoping to instill great things into kids because of the book. Do you, do you feel a responsibility, I suppose, as you write these books and go, gee, I hope I'm getting this right and that I'm going to say the right thing? Or does it just come naturally? Well, I suppose I do, but I don't really think about it like that, Clayton. Like, I suppose it's my worldview. Like, for example, I don't think I would ever write a book that um, didn't have any sense of hope in it. Like some of my books, um, some of my novels for older kids, really sad things happen. Like they're not, I don't sugarcoat them and I try not to be didactic or, you know, make the book like a lesson. But I do sort of, my own worldview is I think children deserve hope and, um, and I think hope is incredibly psychologically important for children and so if we have a a story where even if bad things or sad things happen if the child in the book the character can emerge with hope and with integrity it's like saying to the kid isn't it you know who you're reading the book to or who's reading the novel 
you know, it, bad things might happen, things won't always go the way you want them to, but that's not to say that you can't um, uh, bear that and manage that and, and come out with a sense of hope and with a sense of optimism. So, yeah, I, I do feel a responsibility, but it's more almost a responsibility to my own worldview. Like, um, yeah, I don't think I, I would ever um, write a book that was just like really sad. Although, you know, some of my books are quite sad, but hopefully um, they're not, that's not the only only sort of um, message in them. Yeah. It's something that we talk about a lot uh, for adults too. You know, one of our tagline on the radio is positive radio. Um, but we say that that's, that's not trying to pretend that everything's just got the rose colored glasses on and pretend everything's happy, but actually to look at the reality face the difficult stuff and say, hey, look, where is that hope? Where is that that way forward? So, you know, certainly a message that resonates with us here at 89.9 The Light. Um, Jane, one of the reasons we wanted to get you on as well was to um, talk specifically through this whole pandemic. We've, we've done a lot of interviews. We've done a lot of coverage around helping adults. We've talked to parents. We've talked to uh, you know, all of those in society in different ways and trying to help all of them. And one of the things we have tried to do a few times, but really interested in your take is how do we help our kids? You know, that there's so many things coming at them in trying to understand this and dealing with emotions and information and things that, you know, they just would never have thought to, and we've never thought to prepare them for either. Uh, yours has laughter, fun, uh, a bit of resilience, of course, across it as well. How do you look at and perhaps can help encourage us. How can we best help our kids in that way? Uh, I wish I had a, some great easy answer, Clayton. It's really tough, isn't it? And I really feel, um, I think for a lot of kids at the moment, the world must feel like quite a chaotic place, mustn't it? And um, certainly a book I wrote, I'll hold it up for, you know, the video for people who end up seeing the video, um, called Don't Forget. Um, it's a picture book I wrote um, and I actually started writing it before the pandemic hit and it was but it was a summer a couple of years ago you know when we had those terrible bushfires and I was thinking then this is so tough for kids you know kids who might have been going to Malakuta for their Christmas holiday or whatever and you know it can't happen because there's a bushfire and then um, you know for, for kids that's very worrying about you know climate change and um, I, I felt like it must be really um, difficult for them and I was and also, I felt sad, <laughs> you know, I felt sad for the world and for, for the kids in my life and kids everywhere. And I thought, I wrote Don't Forget to really almost reassure myself that when times are tough, um, there are still good things in the world and, and you still can um, be a good citizen in the world too, even if you sometimes feel that that might be a bit, you know, pointless or, or something. And um, I felt like... Um, it's really important to remind children that in uncertain times um, we can still highlight what's good in the world and we can find meaning from those things. So Don't Forget is really a book which really is just a, almost like a, not really like affirmations, but it is like saying it starts off with quite practical things like don't forget to brush your teeth, don't forget to do your homework and everything, and then it builds on to you know, don't forget to kiss goodbye. Don't forget to don't forget what we can achieve together when we're working together. And the sort of ultimate message of that book, I suppose, at the end is don't forget that you belong. And I think that's incredibly important for all of us, but particularly for kids when when their world feels very, they feel very vulnerable in the world, to feel that 
you you still belong you belong you know in your family maybe in your church in your community in your neighborhood um and and you that that's a that should help them i suppose to feel less afraid of what's going on that they really do belong in a whatever their little network is um so yeah i think and i think a lot of my books are about connection and even some of the, the like there's an, a, a book for teenagers called When Rain Turns to Snow and that's a novel but that is a lot about connection about um connection in real life also digital connection in that book it's got a bit about social media in it when connection is really valid and important and helpful when when you need to let it go and so I think um, look I don't know what the answers are in the pandemic except for being able to reassure children that there are still small things we can do and that you do belong, you know, you, yeah. you are an important member of this society. And I think that that can also be, um, I often think that too with children's fear, with global warming and things like that and, um, you know, the destruction of the Great Barrier Reef and everything like that. And if we can just say to them, this is what we do. We recycle our rubbish, you know, at school we have a, a kitchen garden or whatever. We, we try not to throw out too much of the, the you know, the food. We try not to waste too much. We try not to, you know, overspend. And I think that the, it, those tiny little things, even for adults, they're sort of like, yeah, we're doing that, but, you know. Well, but for kids, I think they can at least say, this is what we're doing in our family yeah. or in our community or at my school. This is what we do. And I think it gives them a sense of, empowerment as well that it's not just this crazy uncertain time and they're just adrift you know rudderless in it so yeah. I think a sense of belonging and a sense of still doing the small things can um maybe uh you know give kids a bit more confidence yeah does that I make sense that. to you Clayton? Yeah, absolutely <laughs> I I think it's fantastic and I think that 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 element of belonging they belong is something that perhaps we haven't heard too much of we, we hear about uh, looking after and those sorts of things but their own opportunity to belong and be a part of it. It's, it's really special as well. Um, I, I'd imagine, Jane, too, that you, you get a bit of feedback uh, because I think the power of um, during this pandemic, just sitting down with your kids and reading a book to them is also so powerful, isn't it? So important. And, uh, you know, I could go on for hours about how great that reading to your your children is, Clayton, and also that um, trying to encourage your kids to read for pleasure as well. Um, I think Particularly, I mean, we all know books, think like there's books we read as adults that we remember and we enjoy and we might tell a friend about or whatever, but don't you just profoundly remember the books you read as a child, like, you know, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe or The Hobbit or whatever it was you read when you were 10 to sort of 14, it, you never forget it. Like it's so, um, because you're at that stage in your life where you're trying to work out what you believe and what you think about things and establishing your own identity and it's so formative. So, um, and I think encouraging kids to, well, reading to your child, um, you know, there's endless statistics about how kids who are read to, you know, do better in school and, you know, get better results when they're in VCE or whatever. But even more importantly, you know, they they learn, um, so there's the academic advancement, but there's also social and psychological. And I think too, um, with encouraging kids to read for pleasure now, it's, you know, maybe kids reading novels like upper primary kids. Um, it's so important because the other thing that I think can tend to happen in the world as it is at the moment is people see people as 
almost as cartoon characters, like it's very polarised. For example, on social media, you're in this team or you're in that team and and um, people are this sort of quite superficial projections. And I think reading a novel shows you that characters, just like real human beings, are complicated and have you know, a lot of drives and behave, might behave in a way that you don't understand or you don't like, but you need to think about why. And so it really encourages kids to have empathy, I think, you know, just um, reading about other characters. And you mightn't like every character in the book you read, but you might think, I didn't really like them, but I can understand why they behaved like that. And I think that's such an insight that stays with you for life. So um, I think reading to little children is so important. And, I mean, if you if you were lucky enough to be read to as a young child, I'm sure you have your own precious memories of that. And it doesn't really even matter what you're reading. If you're holding your child, it's that connection and it's the you're really focusing on your child. You're not looking at your phone. You're not, you know, cooking the dinner or watching TV or anything. You're really having that dedicated focus time with your child. And that is, you know, so important. And then as the child gets older, if they've developed this lovely warm feeling about books and stories, they're more likely to, to be a reader. And I used to always say to my kids, if, you, if you're a reader, you'll never be bored and you'll never be boring because mm-hmm. you'll always have something to do and something to read and you'll always have something to think about and something that you're curious about and something to talk with people about because you're reading an interesting book. Um, so that's Jane Godwin's spiel on reading. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, Jane, before we let you go, you know, we've been talking about the little ones that we're actually looking after and we're, we're hoping to pour into, and that's the title of your latest book as well. Where did you get the the idea and the inspiration and, and, uh, and the message for this one? Well, Little One is actually about a little girl called Pippi and she has a very special uh, doll called Little One. And it's actually talking of books that aren't 100% happy. Um, I'll, I'll just tell you and the listeners, Clayton, that uh, Pip, uh, little one, the doll, uh, goes missing. She gets she gets lost and she's actually not found. So, um, but what Pippi learns is that really nothing is ever truly lost and she can still hold little one in her heart. And it's also... Um, that losing of the, I mean, we, a lot of people, and in fact, since I've, since this book's come out, I've had so many messages on social media, people saying, when I was six, I had this beautiful doll and I lost her and I still think about her. And like, so clearly it's a very profound thing, you know, that transitional, a lot of children have that transitional object that is not, to call it a toy seems silly, like it's so much more than a toy. And then if it does get lost or, you know, get you know, um, ruined in some way, they really do grieve. And um, I think what I was exploring in that book is that childhood is joyous and fun and, and wonderful and magical in many ways, but it does also involve loss. And I think Pippi in this book, she loses little one, but it is almost like a catalyst for her growth as an individual because she learns she can enjoy the world without little one. She will always remember her, but she... It's almost like the beginning of her maturity into that slightly older childhood phase. And so she does cope with it. So that I suppose the hopeful ending is this is you may lose something you love, but you can go on and you you can remember them and you can um you can find happiness again. And it but it is actually based, Clayton, on I have a niece, Sophie, who's 18 now, but she used to have a little doll called Bubba. And 
Sophie was 12, I think, when they went on a, I hope she doesn't mind me telling you this, they went on a family holiday to, um, I think it was in London that Little One got lost. And Sophie took Little One just as, I don't know, maybe going overseas, she just wanted that comfort. So she took Little One, even though she was in year six or seven or something. Anyway, Little One got, they left Little One on the bed in the hotel and Little One got picked up in the hotel laundry and they came home from a day of sightseeing no little one and little one was never found and so the book is actually dedicated to um sophie mullins who's my niece and in memory of baba which was her her special little doll and i actually had a lovely message from an adult one of these messages recently and she said i had a little doll called poppy and we were had we were holidaying in california and I lost her. And many, many years later, we went back to that same town in California. And she said, I had this really ridiculous, irrational thought that I was possibly going to find her. Like, yeah. <laughs> so that's the story of Little it's One. Lovely. I love that. And it, back to that hope message that we, you said is a part of all of that too, facing that reality with the hope. Jane, it's been wonderful just chatting to you. Thank you for the impact that you're having on kids all over Australia and indeed the world as well uh, through your books. We appreciate your time today. Thank you very much, Clayton. Thanks a lot. Jane Godwin, my guest here on 89.9 The Line.